Publishing for Profit podcast is brought to you by Ghostwriters and Co. Earn more money by publishing better content and learn how to increase your thought leadership so you can build your brand. Head over to ghostwritersandco.com for more information. That's ghostwritersandco.com. And now, your host, Joel Mark Harris. Hello and welcome to the Publishing for Profit podcast. This is Joel and today we are interviewing Russell McRae of McRae Portraits. We have a wide-ranging conversation from email marketing to stepping into fear and how he got into the business of selling portraits for referrals. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Hello Russell, how's it going? It's going fine, thanks. Good. So I've got Russell McRae from McRae Portraits here. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, I know Russell as, I like to say, the king of referrals and follow-up. So I want to start with what makes a good follow-up in a business sense? Well... Uh, first of all, I like being called the king of anything. So um, I'll, I'll. I thought you might. I'm like going to use that in my yeah, words. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah, I love it. You no, can quote good. me. No, it's good. <laughs> Thank you. I I, I will. Um, so, what makes a good follow-up? I think, first of all, the follow-up in itself is a good follow-up. You know. Just doing like, it. There's very very just doing it. That's the thing. Most people are concerned about what actually has to happen in the follow-up. Like they get, they, they get in their own brain and their own minds about, you know, is this sincere enough? Is this too quick? Is this too late? Is this too that? Just follow up. Just reach out. That's, that's the key to the number one follow-up. And which is ironic and for, you know, us Canadians out there is that, there, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but there's this, this poll basically where it said that most business owners feel like they're intruding on their customers when they do the follow-up. You know, we don't want to inconvenience them. And then they've looked at the other side of the equation, which is the, the customer, and they feel the business owner is not getting a hold of them. So there's a huge divide that's happening there just because we're in our own heads. So that's would be that's key. It's just, first of all, do the follow-up. And then outside of that, I really think a follow-up should be sincere. It, sh- it should not be anything about how I'm not asking for any more business, not, not even asking for referrals, just a simple, so let's say I'm a roofer and I came in and I helped you fix your roof and I patched it up and I did my job and I cleaned up and I left and then call two weeks later. Hey, you know, it's Russell, Russell's roofing. How is it? Like, do you have any concerns? Anything we need to come by and fix up? Or are you happy? And then that starts a dialogue. So it's something as simple as that. And, and then, uh, you know, I could go on and on about this, but, um, and then to schedule a systemized follow-up. And how do you do that? What, what, what tools do you specifically use? You know, just get a good CRM. Get a good CRM. That's what I use. Um, 
I use Agile CRM mm. and it's really a beautiful thing because I create the workflow for it. So I'm, it's almost like sending yourself love letters from the future. So when you get this thing that says, Hey, Russell, call this contact, you know, you're the one that put it in there. You know that you're the one that's supposed to do it. So you get it. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like tell, tell past Russell, he's or past Russell. He's an idiot. So you're like, oh, okay, fine. Um, but yeah, I use Agile CRM, but just pick a CRM. So it sounds very simple. You know, why, why is it that most businesses don't do it? Well, that's, a, that's a, one of the reasons is because we like chasing shiny pennies. You know, we like going after new business and we get, uh, we get excited by pursuing new things, but the real money is in your past customers. And don't forget at one point they were a shiny penny. So, you know, go back to them, look at them fresh. Like, you know, if you're going to be married for 30 years, that's how you look at your wife every day. You're like, God, see her fresh. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people do that. They just, they just start ch chasing the shiny penny. Um, and the ego gets inflamed in the equation and they don't have a system that's, and they don't know what to say. Cool. Um, so then, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. As, uh, yeah, I was just going to move on, but, um, yeah, if, yeah, if there's anything else goodbye, by all means. No, that's good. I'm no. ready. Cool. Uh, so, yes, switching um, directions. So, tell us, you know, you're owner of McRae Portraits. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, that business? Because I, I think it's very unique. Uh, it's very special. Uh, and how you got into it. <clears throat> sure. So... I'll sum up basically what it is. It's very, very simple. And it's, it's, I work with a lot of different industries, but let's, let's pick realtors, for example. That's where I got started. So let's say you buy or sell a house and that realtor that you worked with um, says, thank you so much. They really appreciate it. The deal's done. They give you this box and the homeowner's like, well, what's in this box? Like that doesn't fit a toaster. And they open it up and inside is a painting of their home as a thank you gift from the realtor. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe it. It's a pain in my house. This is so amazing, la, 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 They start to cry. It's really emotional. And they give the realtor a big hug and it's hugs all around. It's all great. Well, where's the painting supposed to live? And it's framed and matted, ready to go. The only place it's supposed to live is on the wall. That's its job. It has one job. So it hangs on the wall. And then we put the realtor's name subtly in the corner of the portrait. Well, what we've done is we've taken a beautiful space of when a deal's done and the pressure's off to give a gift that's heartfelt, that deepens the connection, and then in turn, as it hangs on the wall with the realtor's name, keeps that realtor top of mind every single day. And then when their friends and family come over, they walk up and say, hey, it's a pain of your house. What the... And the homeowner's like, yeah, we've been here forever. We love it. This is where Johnny's in this knee. I painted it. I fixed it. All this sense of pride is wrapped around it. They're all hooked into it emotionally. And then, of course, the question comes up, 
where did you get that pain? And that is the referral because their client in a passionate moment will say, well, you wouldn't believe it. My realtor gave me this painting. It's incredible. And their friend will think, well, damn. Oh, my realtor gave me was a $10 bottle of Copper Moon wine. I don't even drink wine. I don't feel that way about anybody I've worked with. And because they have that sense of longing for that relationship, that referral becomes cemented because they want that feeling. They have to want the feeling the other person has. Otherwise, it's just, uh, it's just talk. It's not a true referral because referrals take action. And then that's into the referral. So that's what we do. That's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I know for a fact that the, you know, most, I guess, gifts that you get through business transactions are all junk. I'm just going to, you know, say what it is. You totally. know, they're, of course. you know, like they're cheap, uh, cheap uh, chocolates or cheap yeah, wine, as you mentioned. I think um, that paintings are you know, especially the one that, that you gave me, you know, we talk about that all the time and it's, uh, it's on the wall and, and, you know, we'll, it's in my sister's living room and huh. yeah, you know, people will comment on it and, and, you know, I get to talk about you too. So, I mean, it, it's, it's actually something that people use and it's a conversation starter, which is, I think is what you want. Um, but exactly. You really do. Yeah. Why, like, how did you come up with this idea of portraits? Yeah, so, um, all right. Um, I'm a fourth generation artist. I went to art school, did my thing. Um, and it was a hard gig being an artist. Like, it's tough. So then after doing all the galleries and really not making a, a go, making a go of it, but not monetarily, I stopped and I, I quit. And then I went off and I started an internet company when I was 27. And, and then I pursued that for years. And then um, I, uh, after many years of that, and then I sold that company and then I uh, took a break for a while and uh, kept painting and then went off and flipped houses real estate market in Vancouver was taken off. So I started flipping houses for a living. And I flipped like five houses and I loved it. And it was great. And every time the realtor would help me, they would walk in and they would help. They'd, I'd give them a check for $35,000 to sell my house and they would give me nothing. Or they would give me, you know, like some realtor say, my gift is my service. No, it's not, it's your job. That's your job. So they would give me this crappy gift. I'm like, oh my God. And then I was working on my last house, putting the last nail in, and I felt a twinge in my side. Went to the doctor, which I never do, because I'm a guy. And doctor was like, hey, you know what? Half your chest is a tumor, size of Nerf football. I'm like, what? What? Are you kidding me? So that kind of turns you upside down. And it made me stop and think, like, what the hell do I really want to do? What do I want to do? What do I do? Like, what do I want to do? It brings me joy. Well, I want to make people happy. I, I, I love making connections. I, I love art. I love business and I love real estate and I love connection. 
So then I thought, well, okay, well, you know what? Why do I want to paint in a house? I would like to have gotten that. So I painted one and I showed it to a realtor. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. And I painted another one and they're like, that's cool. Well, I did 10 and it took me forever. So then I'm like, you know what? I got to monetize it, systemize it. So I went off and I made software that helps me make paintings. I have to make the painting still, but there's software in there that actually finishes it and really tweaks it off. And that's how I've done 15,000 of them now. So that's the story about how I started it. Um, yeah. That's cool. That's a good, good story. What was it like? So you, you said that you are a, uh, grew up in an artist household. What was that like? And did they, uh, I mean, most, no, most parents, they wanted you to get practical jobs like a lawyer or a doctor. What, what were your parents like? And did they want you to pursue art? You know, I don't think we ever even had the conversation about what I'm going to pursue. There was a few of us kids and they just made sure that we lived to the past age of 16. So as long as we could, mission as accomplished. As we could walk, mission accomplished. If we could walk out of that house at 16, you're fine. Um, so they, and I was always entrepreneurial. Like, you know, I was, we, we, we grew up on a farm and we raised rabbits and I'm like, eh, look at each rabbit has four feet. Huh, I could sell keychains. <laughs> Off goes rabbit feet, keychains. So I was always an entrepreneur. Um, and so they were, all, they were very supportive of me being an artist. And, um, and it's funny, I have kids now. I don't know how I feel. I, I'm, all I basically tell my kids is you got to monetize your passion. Just monetize your passion. That's it. Like, if you can monetize it, then fill your boots. What what tips would you give your kids or to anybody listening uh, to do that? How to monetize your passion? Yeah. Um, well, find someone else who's done it. Because there's a lot of stories out there and someone else is doing your dream job. Like your real true, maybe the even married to the person you had a crush on. Like you got to find that person. And then just find out how they did it. And ask some questions and reach out to them and say, hey, what's going on with you? How do you do that? And here's something really great. This is a bit of a side story, but along it, so there's a, a, a gentleman called Brian Grazer. He's a huge Hollywood producer, like massive, like splash and, and like you throw a dartboard at a movie in a video store and he's been a producer behind it, massive guy. And so I'm listening to his audiobook today and part of his book is to be brave and reach out to anybody, just ask some questions. So I'm like, you know what, just before our podcast, I sent him an Instagram direct message with video saying, hey, Brian, thanks for inspiring me. That's so great. And I would love to have the opportunity to have a one-on-one -on -one Instagram chat with you. Are you up for it? It's easy as that. It's in our time, in our modern time, it's, you have access to anybody in the world. It's unbelievable, the opportunity that sits right there. So, yeah. Have you listened to Brian Grazer's um, interview on Tim Ferriss? No. No. Oh, that'd okay. be good. Yes. Uh, he, yeah, he talks um, about yeah, that principle about when he was a young, um, I guess, like PA, he would reach out to anybody. He would, um, he, I, I believe, 
uh, I might be getting this story wrong, but he would, um, after hours, he'd go into his boss's office and he would just call people <laughs> and uh, just call people at random and, and have chats with them. Um, but yeah, yeah. really worthwhile interview. Um, so check it out. Um, and, and the the best part about that is, is to finish that off is that he said he was hardly ever turned down. And once he met with them, people just wanted to talk about themselves and their work. And he didn't have an intention. He wasn't trying to get money. He was just actually curious, like heartfelt curious. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so can you tell us a little bit, you, so you started an internet business. Can you tell us what inspired that and what you learned along the way that you have translated into McRae portraits? Mm -hmm. well, this is a long time ago. Like this is back in 96. So in 96, like here we are talking on zoom on our cell phones. Um, but in 96, there was like, they would have commercials on TV, say, go to www backslash backslash dot my website dot com. And now they're on our friggin phones. Like put them in our, in our, in our glasses. So it was really just, I just, I saw an opportunity. My friends, my, one of my best friends at the time said, you know what, this thing called the internet's going to take off and I jump in. And I, you know, when you're young, you got really nothing to lose. We never have nothing to lose, but when you're young, you, you're not as grumpy. And so I, so, so we just started and off we went and we just, we didn't even know what we were doing. We just started poking around. Um, and then that was 96. So we know the internet took off and, uh, um, so then, yeah, and then I sold that. And what what has that taught me? Was that was that the question? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm just a I'm just a raving fan of the internet. Like, I I'm I think every day I'm I'm I never ever 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 take it for granted. Ever take it for granted. You know, I see my kids, right? Like, they're always on it. Um. If we didn't, when I was a kid, we didn't have power and water. So if we didn't have water for like two days, we started to complain. Now my kids, once a while, it goes down, it's three seconds. What is going on? Like they yell from the room, help, I'm stuck in my room with no internet. I'm like, okay. So they take it for granted. Um, but because I started when the very, very beginning days, I just really, I'm in love with it. I'm in love with it. I think, well, obviously we need it. To my business before I go. <laughs> um, obviously we need it more now so that we're all stuck at home uh, during uh, this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, I think we are going to need it even more so. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. I think we're going to be more reliant on it. Um, with you know, and speaking of COVID-19, what are your thoughts about, you know, I've, I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs and business people about um, COVID-19, and many of them see it as an opportunity, an opportunity to either expand, uh, rethink their business or pivot. 
um, what are your, um, so I'm curious to think about what are your thoughts around kind of what you're doing uh, moving forward uh, in the next coming months? Hmm. You know, that's a, obviously a really great question because it's so fresh, right? Like this whole, the, the pandemic, the, the virus is, it's is all unraveling in front of us. And um, so I think that every day is, is, is all new. Um, yeah, the, the word pivot, pivot, pivot. That's, you know, I watched a documentary on Italy and they're driving through Italy and they said, uh, this one, it will never be the same. Things will never be the same. And I think we have just have to see that the things are never going to be the same right now. You know, how do you think we learned about our mortality? Yeah. Well, I don't really know. I, I, um, I know how, um, I know how I can change. Um, but yeah, I spoke to my business coach yesterday and he's, that was his advice, just pivot. So I don't have an answer on what that pivot is because it's still really fresh. Like mm -hmm. it really is two days ago that that conversation I have. So I'm still trying to let go of my, of my idea of what I, who I am and what I do for a living right now. Um, cool. Yeah, yeah, I this think we're all. A, does that really answer that? Because well, I think we're all in the same boat, right? We're all uncertain about what's. It's not like a typical, to me, like it's not a typical financial crisis like in two thousand eight, where you kind of knew that okay, there's going to be a beginning and there's going to be an end. I think you're right. I don't think things will ever go back as they were, and I think there's so much uncertainty that we all yeah we have no idea what's what's going to happen and we can all just kind of try and adjust and try and figure out okay what's our next step but none of us really know so i mean it's not a um yeah it's not a finite answer for sure um no no it's not at all um and and you know what and it's it's i i know it's being general there but about my business how it affects one thing I do see as an opportunity, um, because I've built my business so much on gratitude, that's really what I focus on is love and gratitude. And I think money follows behind it. That's my belief. I think we might be making, this may open up our hearts a bit. You know, this, what we're going through, there's gonna be some, there's compassion that's happening out there that we haven't, we've been, we don't, we don't really pay attention to. Um, and I'm really, I'm thinking that that sense of compassion and, and, and empathy and, and uh, I'm hoping that, that I can bring that into with my business and introduce that easier to people that never would have thought about it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, yeah. I think we have come together so much as a community. I've, you know, there's so many Facebook groups out there that are, you know, meant to support, um, you know, one another in these times. Uh, there's a Facebook Facebook group that it focuses on my local community, and it's basically anyone who um, needs some help, they'll just post there, and there's always so many answers. You know, 10, 20 people are saying, oh, um, wow. you know, uh, we have extra food, or we have um, some furniture that you can that we can give you. So, um, yeah, I think I I totally agree with you. I think uh, hopefully that gratitude will stay um once this is over 
Um, but we'll, I guess, we'll see. Um, I think so because look at those grand, look at those grandparents who went through the depression and that their thoughts on money. Mm. So maybe we'll have children of the depression, but of the COVID of this virus that will be more focused on authentic relationships or love, if you want to call it that. Let's hope so. <laughs> um, so, changing gears a little bit, is there mm. a book or? a podcast maybe uh, that has particularly influenced you and your, the path that you've taken? Yeah. Yeah. There's two books and I read them all the time. Um, one, uh, her name's uh, Pema Children oh. and um, it's called Comfortable with Uncertainty. And she's a, a, a Buddhist monk. Uh, that's just, She's got, she's great sense of humor. And what she focuses on is lean, leaning into discomfort, relinquishing the ego, letting go of stories and being a soldier for, for discomfort and fear, like a real soldier. Um, she tells a story about um, this junkyard dog and all these kids like stand by me these kids would have to go to the watering hole to go to this pass by this junkyard dog and uh this dog was on a leash and froth on the mouth and like spits always coming and no matter what it's got it's got spit i don't know why but lots of spit the kids every day would run in the dog hit the end of its leash stop boink, like scooby-doo and they're like go swimming Every day they do that. And then one day they got the end and this dog ran so fast it, that it actually broke its chain. And all the other kids start running away. And one of the kids stopped, looked at the dog and ran towards the dog. And started barking the dog and the dog like, stopped. Because he didn't know what the hell's going on. It's never been the end of the chain. And it's walking into that fear that actually creates a different reality. And that, that, I think for entrepreneurs, um, maybe not all, but there's a lot of them out there that fears there is a compass that they shouldn't pay attention to. It stops them from making that call to that person you're scared to call. You know, it stops you from doing a podcast. Um, but yeah, so that's. Can you give us a, books. an example of a time that you've walked into fear? Just before I called Brian Grazer, like eight minutes ago, I had tons of fear, tons. I'm like, he's a, what the hell? He's not going to pay attention to me. And then I realized, well, actually, that's even good. If he doesn't even pay attention to me, because then I have nothing to lose. Like if he actually just doesn't even look at the video I sent him, then it's, I'm the same as I was 15 seconds before that. So I just said, eh, why not? Like. I have something to say. I'm kind of charming. I mean, he might, You're he very might charming get something yourself. out of the conversation. Yeah, that's all I've got. Um, but yeah, so that's a good example. Cool. Um, and you said you had another book? Yeah, so the other book is kind of the same lines. And, um, you know, it's not a business book, but it's uh, Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Mm. I read that one all the time, um, just because I want to uh, separate myself from the ego. 
Um, so it's not a business, like these aren't business. I do listen to business bo- podcasts. Um, I just finished one. There's a thing called the library. You ever heard of it? Not the, not the bar downtown, but like book place. You can get a library card and you can get like free audiobooks. Mm-hmm. I was going to say it's all closed now, like, but you're right. You can get audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. So for all you listeners out there, there's a library. It's really great. Um, so yeah, I, I started listening to audiobooks, and one is uh, How to Be a Badass with Money. Jen Cicero. Mm-hmm. Awesome book. Because it teach, it's along the same lines. It's like um, basically what it does is it teaches you how to um, break down your relationship with money. Right? Have totally new thoughts on, on, on money. Mm. Um, which is the same idea as of letting go of your ego, right? Because, you know, why are people rich? Well, they just know they can be rich and they just think they're rich and they're totally excited about getting rich and they make tons of money. How come some people make $400,000 a year? Right? So they, they don't have those hurdles in a way. Yeah I, yeah, I feel like it's a mindset more than anything that, you know, I'm worth $400,000. I feel, I think it was, um, um, was it um the wolf of wall street who said you basically uh make the amount of money or maybe it was uh, i can't remember but somebody i think yeah somebody said you know you basically make the amount of money that you think you're worth if you if you make over that much amount of money you will somehow find a way to decrease your salary and, or, and spend that money um yeah so i think that is an important point and and it's something that we, you know, unconsciously live by, for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, and it's it's just it's it's kind of it's it's so ridiculous. It's kind of humorous, right? Like it's it, it feels like magic land. You can just make whatever you want to make, but it's so true. Oh, sorry, I pulled I pulled out my mic here. Sorry. Um, all right. So let's go back to marketing. Um, what do mm-hmm. you do to market your business? Let's start there. Um, okay. So how I have been doing it for eight years now is I go after a large number of realtors to push them down and just drip out some portraits to me. So I, I don't, I don't know why, but I guess because I was the only portrait artist, I got invited to a lot of things. I met a lot of people. I went to conventions. And got, I, would go, I would go to a convention. Um, actually, this is really funny. Um, I would find about a real estate convention. I found out that TD was the main sponsor of the real estate convention because TD is big. So then I went to TD and said, hey, TD, um, if I show up there and give away a portrait, from a TD draw, can I get a free space in your booth? They're like, yeah, of course. Because what else are they going to give away, right? Like brochures. So then um, I went to the convention in a white tuxedo with a green vest, TD colors. And I just worked it. And at the end, I asked the organizer for all the attendees, their contact. So I got, I have 50,000 real estate um, contacts, okay? I got to manage those. So that's where the systems come in. So I have my drip 
email campaign system. I have my agile CRM system. I have my, my social media posting system, which is later.com. Um, I have those three things and they're all tied in with Shopify all through Shopify. Shopify is my, my key. So with those things, I can send out, you know, 10,000 emails at a time. Cool. You know, manage it through my CRM and, and do the social media. So that's, that's how I market myself. Um, okay. So what, can you tell us a little bit about the emails you send out? Because I think they're fantastic. Mm. I always gleam so much mm. from them and, and they're super effective. Um, mm. so what, what goes into writing an email and how do you think about them? I hate sending emails. I hate it. I hate it. Ask my, ask my wife and my kids. They know that when, when I'm going to go send, like if I'm, when I'm, I make a campaign and I'm sending 10,000 emails, I put my finger over their button. Like I'm pushing the code for atomic bomb to explode in my pants because I get so nervous. I want to do it right. So I found the only way to do that at the end of the, it took me six years to figure it out. What I do now is I just line up three months of content. So I spend two weeks or a week writing six months of email con or three months of email content and who gets it and how it's tracked. And then I check every link and I check everything, make sure it's tracked and it's all working. And then I finally hit go and, and then I go get drunk. <laughs> um, so do you mind if I get really granular and mm. like what, like, how do you come up with your, with your topics, your, your subject headlines? Um, what sort of content do you send out? Yeah. So that's the fun part. So what I do is I, um, I find an article that I really like that I'm really passionate about. So um, Tom Power from the CBC, he wrote this beautiful article. He did a bunch of articles about gifter size, gifter tizing, which is giving gifts that promotes your stuff, which is all about me. So I listened and re-listened to his podcast and the articles, and then I took them and I broke that into my own words, my own thoughts into nine emails, nine emails. So, and the way to structure an email, in my opinion, is you, <clears throat> you send him an email. Hey, Joel, this is a really great article about how uh, Air Canada created advocates. It's an awesome story. Click here to keep reading. And they click there. Or if they don't, big, I get it. You don't want to pay attention. You want to unsubscribe? No problem. Go ahead. Please unsubscribe. And next week, we're going to talk about how Van City one thousand members by giving a gift so that gives them a chance they know what's happening and then they click on more and it takes them to a blog post that has that content so i write first i write the nine contents and then i turn those nine contents into uh, nine blog posts and then i take those blog posts and i convert them into short snippets and then i email those short snippets right 
it's easier that way because each thought just because you got to start with an arrowhead you got to like boom hey you want to see this content and like okay and they click on it and then they can do whatever the hell they want yeah cool i think one thing that really captures my attention with your emails is the storytelling uh, do you think mm -hmm. about the stories you're trying to tell in your emails, like the one you just mentioned with Air Canada? Um, and is there a thought process uh, around that? Yeah. It, see, people, all they want to get, people just want to hear a story. At the end of the day, people want to hear a nice story. And it's really nice because my business is all about advocates and respect and love and gifting so i get to write nice pieces i like to be i get to be that guy at the end of the news that has a good piece so i really put a lot of thought like does this does this strike a chord and does this seem like something that they actually makes them feel like they have value afterwards I, am i giving them some of them value am i am i giving them something that actually if they really thought about it could actually revolutionize their business like you know if, if they took a chance is it something different so that's the kind of story i like um and then i've got to bring it back delicately to how i can provide that and that's where um that's where you have to just be brave and say well the reason i'm doing this is because i can actually do that for you so for example you know this this td thing there are things about giving gifts they hear about it and they then you actually by duty have to give that person reading an opportunity for them to do it because if not you make them feel bad if you just say td is give gifts and how great they are and then you just and you stop and you don't even ask or offer your services it's kind of kind of crappy because you get them excited and then you don't ask them to the dance you don't say here's how you can do it here's how i can help you do it like this is it it's 150 bucks so you have to ask them, which is great. And so the hard part is tailoring that content mm. from the teaching to the asking. There's a trust in there that has to happen quickly. Cool. Um, what, so you used um, basically networking, email marketing, what can, can those same concepts be still used uh, to market yourself during the, well, this period where we're all isolated and social distancing and all that? What, I guess, specifically, what would you recommend that two businesses that are maybe struggling right now, um, they know that they need to market, mm. what should they do? Instagram. Instagram, like Facebook and Instagram traffic is up 50%. Zoom, that guy, the guy who started Zoom made some like $7 billion from this. Probably in the last uh, week. <laughs> yeah, in the last week. Yeah. So traf internet traffic is up by 50%. People are on their phones all the time. And Instagram you can send anybody a message on Instagram. You can see when they're online and then you could even call them then. Like it's, you know, you can do lives. You can host like live conferences. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome. I, so 
I would recommend, I'd recommend that. I'd recommend. Like there's a lot you can do obviously. And that's like, that's like five podcasts worth of people who are way smarter than me. But if you want to do something that's brave and you want to, well, here's something else I did. This is awesome. I just printed all my customers, all of them, like, well, top hundred, I printed out the top hundred. And then I went on my phone, I held it up with the light ring and I'm like, made a video, each video. Hey, Joel, it's Russell. Just want to say, I love your, thanks for your business. You're real great. La -da 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 -da. Send. Hey, Steve, da -da 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 -da. I love your business. Thank you so much. Hey, Fred. And on, I did like a hundred in three hours. Well, people don't even know what the hell it is. They're like, what? How did you get so small on my screen? How did you do that? Like, did you, what did you pay for them? Like, nothing. It's a phone. It's his job. It's easy. So if you've spent two days doing that to every one of your customers, really, that would make you tons of money. Yeah, it's all um, about the, yeah. the follow-up again, right? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? With that saying, you got to like, a, if you think you're too small to be seen, try being in a tent with a mosquito. <laughs> All right, I think we will uh, end it there. Uh, Russell, where All can right. people find you online? Mm, I'd be fool not to say Instagram. <laughs> uh, you could find me. <laughs> um, yeah, can you anyone, can, find me. can anyone um, send you a, a video message on Instagram? Anybody. I want everybody who reads this to send me a message on Instagram. Because that proves you actually listened to the last part of the conversation. There you go. So there, yeah. <laughs> there's no, yeah. And go just go to McCrayPortraits.com, and uh, that's McCrayPortraits.com, and uh, and you can just find me from there. That's my the the portal to my connection. Perfect. Well, Russell, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate your time, and we will talk later. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's fun. Bye for now. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to Publishing for Profit. Please like and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.